the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And uh, I'm an estate planning attorney in San Jose, in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. If you're tuning in to the show for the first time, I've been on the air a couple years now. And uh, I have a usual format that I follow in this show, which I'm going to be following today. To all of you out there in the various counties here in the Bay Area, I know we're all opening up at different times and in different ways. I hope that uh, you're taking advantage of opportunities to patronize your local businesses, to help keep them um, above water and let them come back to rebuild our economy. I'm hoping if you have young children like I have, that you've been able to find opportunities for them to get exercise, to engage in activities that will not only strengthen their bodies, but strengthen their minds and help them deal with um, the loss of so many things that were so important to them and the slow, gradual return of a little bit of normalcy. I will tell you that uh, my family has done things such as go play miniature golf at uh, Golfland USA here in San Jose on Blossom Hill Road. You can actually call them up, reserve a tee time, uh, just like big golf, and have up to eight members from the same family uh, playing through a round of golf. It's um, great to get outdoors. It's kind of fun. Um, My kids love it. My wife loves it. And uh, it's something I suggest you look into. Uh, Another thing we've done a couple of times is head down to Santa Cruz, Uh, on uh, Saturday morning, Uh, although this past week we went down on July 3rd, Friday, uh, because uh, it was a a holiday for many people. I'd suggest going down early. You can go to the boardwalk, park there, and go out and sit on the beach, enjoy the sun, enjoy the surf. You can go into the surf. Uh, One of my daughters and I actually went into the water this past Friday, which I hadn't done for a few years, uh, got myself all wet. Uh, we had a couple of boogie boards that I'd picked up, just small ones, and we were kind of doing a little body surfing with the waves until we both anticipated a wave too soon and started moving what we thought was with the wave, and instead we got slammed by the wave, um, and basically I got slammed into the sand under the water 
kind of rung my bell a little bit, but uh, I came out and said, that's enough for me today. And uh, But it was nice because we were able to actually get some sun. We were able to actually spend some time in the water. We ate some food from one of the um, the takeaway places at the, the boardwalk there and uh, spent a few hours, and it was good for our physical health, good for our mental health, and uh, also good we got some vitamin D from the sun. So uh, all got a little sunburnt, but, you know, what can you do? You can't protect against everything. So for those of you out there who are looking for things to do, that's a couple right there my family's done. I know that the miniature golf, there's a number of them throughout the Bay Area here. Consider doing that on a weekend and consider making the drive to Santa Cruz to go to a beach there. The the reason why we're able to do that is because the beach boardwalk in Santa Cruz is a city beach, not a state beach. So even though the state beaches were closed this past weekend and uh, and the parking was closed, in the city of Santa Cruz, the Santa Cruz City Beach by the boardwalk and the boardwalk itself and the parking for the boardwalk were all open. <clears throat> so I suggest check around, see what's available. Right now we're in the process of trying to figure out if there's some place we could go in the first week of, of, uh, of August for a little vacation. We're seeing if there's any place in California we could drive to. It's not looking real good right now. I think the only thing really open is the San Diego Zoo, which we've never been to. But that's really not enough to to make a three- or four-day trip out of just going to the zoo. So we're hopeful that more things will open up so we can actually get out of town for a few days and uh, do a little rest and a little recreation of ourselves. Now, I'm opening up the the show today to, excuse me, two calls. Uh, If you'd like to call in, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. You could also email questions to me at radio, R-A-D-I-O, at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. And if you send me questions that way, I can also check them and uh, uh, read them on the air and respond to them on the air. But I'm going to go forward now with my usual format which is to uh, go through questions and comments from around the state of California that are designed to uh, both educate and uh, and maybe help you out. You may hear your situation when I go through things. So I'm going to get started now. We have about five minutes, four or five minutes left in the first segment. So let me jump right in. So here, this is not strictly an estate planning question, but I do know the answer to it. Um, it, it was considered an estate planning question by the person who posted it. said, uh, my sister and her family have been living in a house for over 12 years. They never signed a lease with the owner, but have been paying them rent in cash the entire time. The owner has never done any maintenance and is now elderly. Should the owner pass away and next of kin come to take ownership of the house, can my sister file for adverse possession, even though... She never paid property taxes directly, but paid rent, which went to property taxes. Well, first of all, adverse possession is a way to actually take over ownership of real estate that you've been living in, and it requires some very specific things. It requires that you, quote, openly and notoriously occupy the property, meaning you make it very clear, 
I'm in this property and you're not hiding out or in a basement or a garage or something. Second thing, you have to do that for five years. And you also have to pay the property taxes for five years. So the fact that you were paying rent to somebody doesn't, and they're using it to pay property taxes, doesn't mean you're adversely processing anything. The fact that you don't have a lease doesn't mean anything. You can rent a property without a lease just by an agreement with the owner and paying them rent money like these people did. So there's no grounds for adverse possession at all in this situation. Okay, so it looks like I have time maybe for one more question, a couple minutes left. And here's the question. Does the petitioner of a Hegstat petition need to appear on the hearing date? And uh, now a Hegstat petition I've talked about in the past, that's a petition to have property of a deceased person called the decedent declared to be property of their trust because there is sufficient written evidence of the intent of the decedent that that property be in their trust. Here they say the petitioner lives in a different state and the real estate is in California and we're filing the Hegstat petition in California in pro per, meaning without using an attorney. Do I need to appear at the hearing date? I'd say probably so if it's a hearing date. Um, attorneys can, can sometimes do that and not appear or they can appear by telephone. But if you're petitioning, um, you're probably going to have to appear at the hearing date uh, for something like a Hegstat petition because the judge may have questions for you. There may be issues with even filing it without benefit of an attorney if the person filing doesn't have any particular relationship to the person that owned the property. So we're going to come back after this first break with more questions and comments from around the state of California. I hope you'll stay with me. Feel free to give a call at 800-516-1220, and I'll talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California uh, in my usual um, show format. Of course, if you'd like to call in 800-516-1220, I'd be very happy to uh, talk with you on the air. If you have a question and I can answer it, then I'll be happy to talk with you. All right, so here's one out of Los Angeles. Person said, my father died with no will. Now, that's called dying intestate, meaning no last will and testament. That's where uh, if you die testate, it means that you have a will. If you die intestate, it means that you did not have a will. Or I should say also did not have a valid will. Um, there could be something that that kind of looks like a will but is found to be invalid for some reason and then there is no will, and the person's considered intestate. In this case, says, my father died with no will, and his estate is in probate, but my guardian is looking to get me emancipated, and I'm concerned, will that make me unable to inherit from my father? Now, what this person's talking about, emancipation, is actually a legal process where someone who is a minor, meaning 
under the age of 18 can legally go to court and if they can demonstrate to the satisfaction of the court that they are mature enough to handle their own finances and they are in fact uh, financially able to take care of themselves without needing parents, then the court can declare the person to be emancipated and they now legally have the ability to contract for services, sign contracts for themselves. In other words, they have the the rights of an adult except for voting and uh, they can handle their own finances. Now, um, that normally comes up in the context of of uh, actors and actresses who might be very, very successful as a child actor. And, uh, for example, Alicia Silverstone, the actress from Clueless, my my recollection is she became emancipated at age 16 because she was making um, millions of dollars as as an actress. And, um, And she decided she wanted to handle her own property and not have it subject to her parents having something to do with it. And she's not the only one. There's a number of actors over the years that have done that. And so it could also happen if someone was a teenager and started a company that turned out to be very financially successful and they were running their own company, but they weren't an adult yet. By becoming emancipated, the person could actually run the company legally and have the legal ability to make all the decisions and act like an adult uh, until they become an actual adult at age 18. In this case, the person's concerned that becoming emancipated somehow means that they're no longer the child of the father that died, and that is absolutely not the case. Becoming emancipated just means that you're being treated as an adult before age 18, It does not remove the relationship of parent and child in any way. So for this person, I would tell them, no, don't worry. You're still going to be entitled to any inheritance that you were set to receive um, in that estate. Okay, here's a couple that said, we have a copy of our trust, but not the original. Will it still be accepted? Well, first of all, I'd wonder, why don't you have the original? I, I suspect from what it goes on to say, says the copy has our signatures, but not the lawyer's signature or his seal. Now, I'm not sure what they mean by the lawyer's signature or his seal. What that sounds like is the trust was drawn up, they signed it, and the lawyer notarized it as a notary public and applied a seal to it. Um, they said the lawyer died a few years ago. And the question is, is the copy of our trust still valid? Um, the answer is absolutely yes. Um, it has your signatures. In fact, if you want to kind of make it an original of your trust, date it or or, or sign it again um, with an ink signature, maybe underneath your photocopied signature, and then what you've done is you've made it clear that it is your trust. Uh, trusts in the state of California do not have to be notarized or witnessed. Um, the best practice or the better practice is to have them notarized, um, um, maybe even also witnessed. I don't do that at all, but I do have them notarized. I'm a notary and I act as such when I do estate plans for people. 
But a trust legally does not need to be notarized or witnessed in in California. Some states, they have to be notarized. Um, In Florida, they have to be witnessed. Uh, So every state's different. Don't assume that what what passes for the law here in California is going to be the same law in another part of the country because every part of the country is different and they have different estate laws, uh, different planning laws, even different laws, the ways that things are actually um, that are that are actually um, um, very, very different from California. So uh, don't assume that the laws are the same everywhere in the country. We have 50 sets of laws here in the United States of America. And you need to make sure that what you're doing complies with the laws of where you're doing it. So um, so that copy of the trust will be as acceptable as the original. If you have any doubt, um, re-sign it. You know, maybe date and sign it uh, again so that your original ink signatures show up on it. And then there's no question that uh, it would actually be treated as uh, as an original document then because you've signed it. But even just the photocopy is going to be sufficient. That So I wouldn't be concerned about that if all we had was a photocopy. Now, can the sale of real property be voided if the power of attorney used to make the sale is found to be invalid? Okay, here's a classic situation here. Mom was diagnosed with cognitive impairment. That's kind of fancy language for saying her mental ability was not good, maybe even not even there anymore. It says, my brother had her sign a power of attorney. After I filed for conservatorship over my mom's estate, the court appointed me temporary conservator and voided the power of attorney, but not before my brother sold my mother's personal home to a non bona fide purchaser. The power of attorney was not a durable power of attorney. A property deed was filed. Is the deed valid? Well, in all of what it says there, there's language the person used that said non-bona fide purchaser. Now, bona fide purchaser is one who purchases property in good faith without any knowledge that there's anything irregular in the sale of the property. In other words, they have no knowledge. Someone off the street comes in, buys the house. Later on, it's found out that the person that sold the house did not have the legal authority to do so, or their authority was based on fraud, something like that. The sale cannot really be voided at that point because the person purchasing purchased in good faith. That's what bona fide means, or bona fide. Uh, In good faith, they had no knowledge. But if someone's a non-bona fide purchaser, that means that they knew there was something wrong. And if someone knew there was something wrong when they when it was purchased, the sale could be voided and reversed by a court. Um, so that's the difference between bona fide or bona fide and non-bona fide or non-bona fide. And in this case, it sounds like the sale could be voided. So... Coming up on the end of this second segment of the show today, feel free to call in 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. 
Otherwise, when I come back, we'll be continuing with more questions and comments from around the state of California. So I uh, hope you'll stay with me for the second half of the show. I've got some interesting situations coming up to discuss. And uh, when we come back after the break, we'll continue with more Plan Your State Radio with your host, estate planning attorney, Bob Bergman, broadcasting from San Jose. Talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I want to share a couple things before I continue on with the show today. First of all, if you are just joining us and you missed the first half of the show, you can always catch the show on the podcast that is posted at kdow.biz. That's B-I-Z. If you go there and search for Plan Your Estate Radio, You'll find the podcasts of my shows that you can listen to. You can download and listen to them later. You can stream them, um, I believe, through the KDOW app for Android and iPhone. So there's a lot of different ways to to listen to a show. My show is also rebroadcast Tuesdays from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, on KDOW 1220 a.m., so if you missed some of the show today or if you liked it and you want someone else to listen to it, they can either go to listen to it on the podcast or they can listen to it, quote, live on uh, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday evening, 6 to 7 p.m. on KDOW. Second thing is, even though I have not been doing Living Trust seminars in my office, which has been my normal thing, I haven't yet put one up as a live webinar, but I do have a recorded Living Trust seminar that can be found on YouTube on my uh, YouTube channel, Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman. Now, you don't have to type all in to find the channel or to find the, the seminar. Just type in Living Trust Seminar when you get to YouTube, and my seminar should pop up at the very top of the listing, um, because it has actually been trending there for over two years now. Uh, it started going viral over two years ago, and uh, it is officially viral, has been for quite some time now. Uh, just go there, type in the words Living Trust Seminar, and actually I'm just doing it right now while I'm sitting here in front of a computer. And you'll see in the organic listings, the Live and Trust Seminar, Inheritance Planning for You and Your Family in 2014 and beyond. It's uh, it's going to be at the very top. It's a green box that says the Living Trust Seminar. It now shows there's over 57,000 views. And um, it's about 45 minutes long. And even though some of the numbers have changed, some of the tax numbers and things have changed, the concepts have not really changed at all. So what I'm going to do is suggest that um, if you want to find out more about living trusts and estate planning, go to YouTube, click on and watch that seminar or else download it, uh, look at it later if you want to. Whatever it is that makes the most sense to you, um, go ahead and do that. 
and I think uh, you can get a pretty good education there. I'm hoping to have live seminars again someday once people feel comfortable with coming to uh, an office. I typically would have 12 to 15 people, but it's in a fairly confined space, so that may change in the future. And I may do uh, an actual live uh, webinar um, seminar um, in the next few months. That remains to be seen. But in the meantime, you can go to YouTube, look at Living Trust Seminar, and get a lot of information there. Uh, you can also listen to the shows with the podcasts uh, or on uh, Tuesdays from 6 to 7 when they're rebroadcast. Okay, here's a question uh, out of Los Angeles. person said, I bought a piece of property in another state. I live in California. My trust was made here. I'm going to quit claim my out-of-state property to my trust here in California. Do I need my signature notarized here in California or in the other state? Well, the answer to that question is, if you have a quit-claim deed, which is basically a deed that says, I give everything I own in this property, in this case, to my trust, uh, it's a form of transfer uh, deed, if you went to that state and signed it there, you'd have your signature notarized there. If you have the paperwork prepared and sent to you here in California and have a California notarization on the paperwork, then you'd sign it here in California using a California notary. And it would be notarized, your signature would be notarized here. Um, everywhere in the country, they will accept documents notarized from other parts of the country as long as the notarization from that part of the country is proper for the state in question. So if a notary notarized a document here that was a notarization from an, a notarization language from another state, that would not be a proper notarization, and the other state might very well reject it because of that. So if you're going to do that, you always have a California notary notarized here using the notarization language for California, and if it doesn't appear on the deed, then the notary will attach a form that has the appropriate language, and that will become part of the document that gets recorded in the other state. Um, I typically just do everything here, have my clients sign those deeds, and then um, uh, I have the deeds prepared by attorneys in other states and then sent to me with the notarization language that I provided to them so that it can be notarized here and then I send them back um, to the attorney so that they can be processed in their state because every state is different with how they handle recording uh, real estate in the state. Okay, here's uh, here's one out of Rancho Cordova. And it's just from a couple days ago says, I was my mother's caretaker for three years and lived in her house. She passed away in April, and due to the fact that I only had a part-time job while I took care of her, I really need more time to get back on my feet. There's also the issue whether or not you can get a full-time job. kind of depends on what you're doing in this pandemic era that we're living in. My brother and sister are trustees of my mother's trust. I've not been able to find a place to live or afford yet. They want to put the house up for sale by August 1st. My other three brothers and sister do not mind waiting on the sale of the house. So the question is, can they put the property up for sale? 
if they're the trustees and it says that they're supposed to divide the property between everybody and that means that they have to sell it, the answer is yes, they can put the property up for sale. Now, if they and the rest of the family <clears throat> agree that this person can stay in the property until they get another place or stay until such time as the property is sold and then moves out before the close of escrow, they can certainly do that. But there's no real way for this person to stop the sale of the property. Um, now, I'm saying this without getting into the issue about whether or not the person is now a tenant and whether they could be successfully evicted under under rules and regulations in place right now governing evictions. Um, if we weren't in a pandemic, my answer would stand absolutely that um, they can sell the property and they could require them to move. But in this pandemic era, I don't do landlord-tenant law, so I don't know what the specifics are with the prohibition right now or the limitation on evicting somebody in this uh, particular day and age. So I can't really answer that. Um, can't really, cannot really answer that. Okay. When someone dies, do you have to post a death notice in the newspaper? My brother passed away, and we don't know if he had any creditors. He passed away without a will. He wasn't married, has no heirs other than his siblings, meaning his brothers and sisters. Well, the short answer is um, there's no particular requirement to post a death notice, but but if someone had assets greater than $166,250 total value and they died without a will, they didn't have property in a trust, there's going to have to be a probate filed. If there's a probate filed, part of that process is a notice that is filed in um, in a newspaper in the area, a newspaper of general circulation in the area where the person lived, and uh, that newspaper notice gives notice to any potential creditors. If there's any known creditors, they have to be specifically uh, they have to be specifically notified um, of the person's death and given an opportunity to file a claim in the probate. So I don't really have enough information to definitively answer this question, but um, with a will or without a will, the requirement to publish a notice in the paper depends primarily on how much, uh, what the value of the assets were that the person actually had when they died and whether those assets were still in their name or whether they passed to somebody like a beneficiary designation on a retirement plan or life insurance or an annuity or a pay-on-death designation on a bank account or brokerage account. Those things would not pass through probate. Uh, that being said, someone can actually initiate an action in the probate court and have a notice published just to see if any creditors show up, if they're concerned. Because if a creditor does show up later, they could actually trace the assets to the people who who received them and actually demand to be paid because they were never notified that the person died and the person owed them money. So there is a procedure that, through the court that can be done um, even without a full probate, and that's something they might consider. Okay, we're coming up on the end of the third segment of the show today. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. 
We have one more segment when we come back after the break. Um, You could call, if you'd like, 800-516-1220. Otherwise, after the break, I'll come back and finish up today's show of Plan Your State Radio. This is your host, Attorney Bob Bergman in San Jose, and I'll talk with you after the break. Back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, Attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back to the last segment of our show today. I'm going to finish up the show with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And then um, ahead of time, let me wish you all a, uh, a healthy and safe weekend. Uh, try to get out and uh, get some fresh air. Uh, maybe patronize a local restaurant that has outdoor dining. Uh, just do what you can to keep yourself physically and mentally healthy because this is a very, very tough time for uh, for the Bay Area, for the country, and for the world. Okay, here's uh, someone out of here in Northern California indicated their son passed away in Washington State and did not leave a will. He had sub- inherited substantial monies a couple of years ago. Um, unfortunately, the son had a drug and alcohol lifestyle. I'm assuming that's why the son is now deceased. And this person wanted to know, how could I make it known that he has a father, namely the person asking, if any assets are located? Well, I would tell this person, first of all, um, check in the county where your son died, county in Washington State, and see if you can, sometimes you can do this online, see if there was any kind of a probate um, filed for your son by someone um, and and see and look in there and see what the paperwork says about who his heirs and, and relatives are. And, and if, in fact, you are the father and a probate was filed and you were not identified, then you can appear in the probate and say, hey... Um, Hey, you know, I'm actually the heir. I'm, you know, I'm the son. There may also be a mother. I don't know if there's a mother as well. Um, but in most states, the if there's no children and there's no spouse, then it would go to the parents, um, the parents of the person that died. Um, and this father would be the intestate heir of the son since there was no will. Remember earlier in the show, I talked about testate versus intestate. This person would be the intestate heir of his son. So I'd start with that. Maybe see if there's an attorney that could help you in that area, help you check that out or ask around. Um, see if there's uh, you know any notices in the newspapers, all those kinds of things. But But you have to be proactive with that because if someone is coming in and claiming to uh, inherit everything now. Uh, this is assuming that the son hadn't like named beneficiaries on life insurance, retirement plans, and bank accounts. Because uh, if that happened, there's not going to be any probate of any kind. It's just going to pass to those named beneficiaries. But that's what I would suggest the person do is first check or have someone check on the probate records in that county and see if a probate has been filed for the son and then get a copy of the paperwork to see what it says about who is supposed to be receiving the son's property. So that's how I would respond to that right there. Next one here 
is, um, let's see, if you lived on a property your whole life, 28 years, can you be legally charged rent if there's no rental agreement? Okay, it says, my property my dad owned recently been put in my brother's care. In that process, I've remained living in the property the whole time. Now my brother wants me to pay rent. So for a few months I did with no rental agreement. However, financial issues have arisen and I've stopped paying him. Does he have grounds to charge me? I think what they mean is evict me. The property isn't officially in his name. Well, it says it was put in the brother's care. That sounds like the father appointed the brother as his agent under a power of attorney to handle things for him. It may have even been put into a living trust, and the brother is now a trustee of the trust. In either of those two cases, the brother actually has authority to act in reference to the trust. Um, Here, if you paid rent for a few months with no rental agreement, then that just means you're what's called a a, um, a tenant um, from month to month, pretty much. If you stop paying rent, then you could be given a notice to to uh, quit the property because you stopped paying rent. There may have been no written rental agreement, but there was an an oral rental agreement. Um, I think here the bottom line is, yes, rent can be charged if there's no rental agreement, and especially if you've already paid it, then you've created an agreement. If you stop paying, then you can be evicted. Again, all of this is subject to whatever the rules are in the county where you're at, whether they've put in rules preventing evictions, etc., etc. I talked about that earlier in the show today. Okay, how do I know if a copyright owned by my deceased father will be passed to me? My father passed away recently. He had a book he wrote copyrighted. Does the copyright get passed down to me? I would like to try and publish my father's book. Well, Um, The answer to that question, there's a lot of things to unpack there. First of all, um, did the father have a will? And the will says, I leave everything I own to my son. If that's the case, then either probate or maybe if the value of the copyright is not a lot at this point because it hasn't been published or utilized, um, maybe a small estate affidavit would be able to take that over. If there is no will, then same thing could apply If the son is, in fact, the only heir of the father, if there's no other siblings, if there there was no surviving spouse, things like that. So uh, the copyright can get passed to the person either through probate, maybe even without a probate, depending on the value of the father's estate. And um, assuming that this person is, in fact, the heir of the father, the heir under the law who would be inheriting, then they should be able to have the copyright passed to them, and then they can use that copyrighted book and try to publish it. Okay, we're coming up at the end of the show today. I just wanted to repeat that you can listen to these shows on a podcast at kdow.biz, B-I-Z. Find Plan Your Estate Radio, and the podcasts of my shows are there. They're put up there. They go back a couple years now. Uh, You can also... Check out my uh, Living Trust Seminar at YouTube. Just type in Living Trust Seminar at YouTube. You'll see my seminar at the top. So we're going to call it a day now. I hope you have a great weekend, a safe weekend, 
and a healthy weekend. Until next week, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Talk with you next week. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.